0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast.
1: I'm Joe Devine, and I'm joined in studio by JJ Bull the Bullard.
2: Hello. Hello. As we've established, if you're watching this video rather than a video, podcast, Good start. Good start. Mm-hmm. Basically, I can't make the mic work properly, so I have to look over here like him, Simon Neal and Biffy Clyro on his side yeah, stage mic.
1: JJ's looking away from me when he speaks, which, to, to clarify, I actually prefer. Uh, but also, ah, guten tag, Herr Staffordblatt. Wie geht's du? Gates is good, headwine. How are you? I'm good, but I'm delighted to hear that your gates are good, uh, because this it's, it's going to be a big episode today, lots to get through. As uh, people watching the video will see, I've got an iPad and a phone because I've come back from holiday and forgotten to bring my computers to work, which is not ideal because I do need that. So, you know, we're going to get through anyway. Nothing to worry about. And of course, my computer isn't required for us to discuss Newcastle and Arsenal. Uh, We can't discuss that because it's happening this evening. Maybe I do need my computer. Liverpool-Chelsea occurred the FA Cup final. Penalties, very exciting. Uh, We'll be talking a bit about the Bundesliga. Tottenham beating Burnley. Everton with two red cards. I missed that one, but I'm curious to hear about it. And also, uh, I watched a little bit of uh, the, uh, the AC Milan game yesterday. The Scudetto, not the Scudetto. The uh, oh good lord, two weeks on holiday.
0: <laughs> what are you Serie trying to say? Is
1: really heating up ahead of the final week, is what I'm saying. I assume Inter Milan won their game. I don't know, but we'll find out as the podcast goes. If you want to find things out before you talk publicly about them, what you should do is visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. Theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. Because if you think I sound like an idiot now, you're listening to this podcast and thinking, who is this guy? How did he get there? I don't ever, ever, ever want to be like that guy. Then you should be reading The Athletic. And that's the only thing you need to do to not be as bad at this as I am. Anyway, that's theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. But for now, I will leave you in the warm hands and the cool embrace of the season's end. Liverpool nil, uh, nil Chelsea 6 5 on penalties. This was quite an exciting one, wasn't it, JJ? Well, I say that. I watched the last four penalties.
2: The game was quite good. I enjoyed watching it. So mm. it was a ding-dong of a battle. Uh,
1: T- tell me, as someone who didn't see any of it, uh, what, what was exciting about it?
2: Uh, the football right, was yeah. good. The teams were very well matched. Liverpool went at Chelsea from the very start. Uh, Chelsea didn't look very good for this. Well, not didn't look very good, but Liverpool looked better, basically, for the start of it. Yeah. And then I don't know exactly what changed at halftime. I can't quite work out and I know that is sort of my job to tell you what that is It really is But the uh, the second half Chelsea came out and were a lot more in the game They've had a wobbly um,
1: a couple of uh, weeks Chelsea haven't they Seb did you, did you notice that at all in this game did it feel like they were sort of playing to their capacity No I thought they played pretty well I, I thought maybe they had a little
3: bit of trouble for about an hour with Luis Diaz who played ever so well Diaz does so much every time he touches the ball he seems to cram in loads of different actions on the ball before anybody else can react to them And arguably one of the most unlucky FA Cup performances I've seen for a long long time But I don't know exactly what changed But I think that as the game wore on Chelsea started to have a little bit of joy in the kind of the areas between midfield and Centre-back also the areas between centre-half and full-back and you saw like players like Mason Mount getting a little bit of opportunity in there Marcus Alonso became pretty prominent I was impressed. I, I, I know it's nil nil, and there are a couple of people kind of slagging off this game on Twitter, but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. it was, there's was a real cut and thrust to it. It wasn't a stale occasion. Both teams really wanted to get it done before extra time, and that always makes for a good game. I suppose there's a little bit of a subliminal commentary on what the FA Cup is now, uh, as a result of saying that, but it was, it was fun. And Diaz, I'm still at that stage. You know when a new player comes into the league and you... You're kind of finding out about him a little bit and seeing what he can do, and and seeing him against different opponents. I'm still at that stage with Diaz, where you see you know, the full range of his abilities and just how difficult. You know, before managers have had a proper opportunity to study him on tape and stuff, and they can't really game plan against him. He kind of runs riot a little bit, and he's electric, great fun.
1: It's quite interesting, isn't it, to think that maybe you know a year or two ago, the idea of a new wide forward coming in to. Improve that Liverpool attacking line just seemed like nonsense. But JJ, now it's, uh, you know, it's plain sight.
2: He seems to have been promoted to basically top boy. Yeah. And Manny has moved to, as a striker to the, the centre, which is seems to suit him now as well in his ripe old age of like 29, 30, wherever he is now.
1: I remember him doing that well at Southampton.
2: Yeah, well, he, he can play that role. He can play anywhere across the front. I think he played mostly as a central striker for Senegal as well in the um, African nations. I think from the very start, whether by design because Chalaba was playing at right centre-back or because that's where Diaz was and he's very direct and just makes things happen from the very start Liverpool were I think they were sort of targeting that left side or Chelsea's right left side of the pitch mm-hmm. when this is why I can't quite work out what was wrong with Chelsea in that first half I think one of the, the pundits I can't remember who it was was saying they just couldn't decide whether they wanted to be uh, in a deep block or pressing high or even the mid so basically your three different versions Chelsea didn't seem to know which one they were trying to do. Some players were trying to press high, but then the the centre-backs were too deep, which you can't really do, leaves too much space in the middle. So they weren't compressed vertically to be able to try and push Liverpool the way they wanted to. And then Liverpool, if they did do that, pushed up high, Liverpool went over the top and that's when they're getting Diaz in behind. And then the three centre-backs looked a bit disjointed, didn't look to know quite what they were doing. Kovacic, I think, got rushed back from injury to play. Uh, Jorginho was in there as well. Cante is not really been involved of late like the second half i think it must have just been one of those team talks where tuchel goes through them a bit but then also mm. tries to talk them up or something remember
1: this is a final lads
2: something like that yeah passionate i want to see more i don't know
1: not, not a lot left to, i mean nothing really other than that left to play for in the in the season other, other you know otherwise right
2: what the fa cup they don't they can't really win anything else now yeah, I'm not, just saying, they're not they're
1: essentially secured third you would, you would imagine a, a group of players reaching the end of the season FA Cup final I mean Seb is that kind of what you were referring to before I mean do you think that the players presumably don't hold it in the same level of regard that they would have done 50 years ago but it's still important you get to the end of the season you're in the FA Cup final particularly if your league season is, is essentially already already over I think it's, it's context has changed
3: a little bit like obviously there's no arguing that its status is diminished but I think what it's become is this sort of forum for other rivalries so the FA Cup becomes important depending on who's actually contesting the semi-final the final. So if you remember that that Liverpool-Man City game, that feels massive because it's those two teams playing in it on that stage, whereas Chelsea Palace, a uh, big game, and obviously a lot of Palace fans in London uh, sort of have come up from South London for that match and it felt like a big occasion, less of a spectacle as a result of the, the kind of disparity in context. I think for someone like Chelsea, I suppose at the moment the league is gone, their interest in the Champions League is gone, it becomes, first and foremost, you want to win a trophy because that's the nature of modern Chelsea. Secondly, I wonder if that sort of surge of extra intensity came from the fact that some of those players won't be playing for Chelsea next season. Wouldn't be surprised if Marcus Alonso left, for instance, finally. They've been trying to get rid of him, seemingly, for every summer for the last
1: six or seven years, <laughs> which is weird. Well, even, especially because he <laughs> seems to every new manager, I think about 30% of the way through every new manager's career at Chelsea, Marcus Alonso suddenly plays in the first team every week out of nowhere. Right? <laughs> but you've also
3: you've also got quite a lot of strange stories in that. So um, I'm sure we'll talk about him later, but what's happening with Romelu Lukaku? Okay, so yeah,
1: I was going to ask, did he get on the pitch at all, so yeah, he did, but he didn't...
3: I don't know, I just it, it just never feels like it's going to work. He feels like a very disconnected piece in that Chelsea formation and he doesn't seem to... I don't want to say he's unenthused by his role. It feels like he's aware that his role doesn't quite suit him at Chelsea. But then I was going to go on and, and talk about players like Hakim Ziyech. So what, what is Ziyech's future at Chelsea? What is Christian Pulisic's future at Chelsea? Like Pulisic had two of Chelsea's best chances, very, very nearly scored twice... And you think, OK, so this becomes a little bit about narrative, a little bit about staking your claim if you want one for a opponent a role in the side. That's where its importance comes from rather than the occasion itself. It's not a, the framework is not the great event in English football.
1: Pulisic also, though, I think had an c- early connection to the FA Cup, didn't he? Yes.
3: Yeah, so Pulisic, when he was a very, very young boy, he lived
1: in England for a year in
3: a, I think it was a small village or either a village or a small town in the north of Oxfordshire. And his dad A place le- where people live where some people live and his dad used to take him to games all over the football pyramid so he'd go to premier league games he would go to um you know football league he even went to a couple of non-league games so christian pulisic i think he comes from hershey in pennsylvania but yeah quite an unlikely early tie to the english fa cup and the kind of roots of english football so it's um he became the first american to score in the fa cup final of course when he did that against arsenal so he has his own history now too and nearly had a bit more but he's a good example you you score a winning goal in the fa cup final when you've got nothing else to play for in a season changes your importance slightly at a club, makes it a little bit harder to sell you or a little bit, you, you know, increase your claim for a, a place above somebody else. But that's that's the narrative stuff, isn't it, I suppose?
1: Well, on the narrative stuff, Ziyech, uh, I heard someone saying, incidentally, someone who does not know any of the inside of this at all. This is just a, a kind of um, merely a stylistic suggestion that maybe Ten Hag would be interested in Ziyech at Manchester United, because of course he played under him at Ajax and was, uh, was successful there. He's, he's, he's not a starter at Chelsea, let's put it that way.
2: But he would cost far too much from Chelsea to sell it to a rival like United. It would be far. Do you think? It would cost, yeah, they'd be able to ask for 50 million because it's United and because it's a rival. they, they do keep get selling
1: it. players to United so that they but don't. Tin Hag might try and anymore. take
2: Anthony from Ajax, sure. a similar ish sort of player, like right sided left footer. Mm-hmm. That would be more likely to come over. I thought, just talking about Pulisic and Lukaku there, this game was a perfect example for me of what Pulisic is good at and what he's also bad at. Like, like technically, great player. Athletically, great player. Really quick, nimble, well-balanced, good feet can dribble past people and occasionally gets the ball in a really tight little bit of space and runs through players and creates something. That's what you can do. But there's also, I think there's two, I remember one particular, I think there was two opportunities in this game where he didn't play the pass when he needed to and took a beat, which is where the chance goes. And at that level, I think it was Lukaku who was making the run just off the the shoulder of the, the last man, just trying to get in behind. And he's done this throughout the season, Pulisic, not made that ball when he needs to. Yeah. Either because he can't see it or just doesn't think he can execute it, but he's, that's he's what a good nearly guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's just. He's, I think he'll never be in that top tier because he just doesn't have the. I don't know the killer instinct or something like that that's in him. Whereas Lukaku, he got in the pitch. Cause he started the game, so he was there from the very kickoff and was, I think, useless for the first half. Particularly, mm-hmm. pretty much standing still does. But he's done for a lot of the games that when he has played, where he just stands up top near defenders, walks around a bit. The ball bounces off him, he doesn't control it when it comes across him, doesn't get involved. Second half, he seemed to do more. He just seemed to do more. Mm. Buzzing about a bit. Wasn't dropping deep, still plays off the last man um, like a goal poacher does. Trying to, They're not going to be able to break against Liverpool as much as they want to. might be quite annoying to be Lukaku though. Because you've been, you know, you're a star signing, yeah. you're extremely
1: expensive, you've come back to a club that you played at previously, you've been signed by one manager and then, you know, inherited by another very quickly afterwards, whose style it it would appear, I don't really know the ins and outs of it, like doesn't quite suit what he wants to, you know, how he plays best, and it's only been one season, right? <laughs> It, yeah. I mean, you must feel extremely dejected. I I'm not, wouldn't be that surprised. This isn't, a, a, you know, not questioning his, his character or desire either, but it's just a natural human response to, you know, reach the end of a disappointing season and then like five minutes where, yeah, I mean, kind of what's
2: the point? If you're a player pleasing in confidence, like Lukaku seems to, and a, a goal scorer will always be better when they're confident, that mm-hmm. just makes sense. If you're not getting the support you want from your manager because he's not really seeing you as the player that you think you are, all the things you read about Lukaku is that he's a very confident man. He really very much believes he is one of the best players in the world, which is what you need to have, that sort of mentality to be able to play at the level he plays at. But he doesn't seem to quite suit what... (laughs) Chelsea want to do with him but also I mean, regardless of how you think he plays he's not a target man we've discussed this many times I think he's more of a poacher yeah some people call him a counter attack player I don't think it's even that he's just like a goal poacher he's like Michael Owen was or something I was looking at so I'm doing a thing on Tammy Abraham coming up and uh, I was looking at how he played for Chelsea under Lampard then Tuchel, very similar to Lukaku in that he wants to play off the last man plays up front looks kind of separated from the team an awful lot of the time because he's trying to play within the width of the six yard box which is another thing you might be taught so if you've been taught your whole life to play in the six yard box and then you're very good at that and are getting the goals which Lukaku did mm-hmm. although actually when you think about it he's playing Inter Milan he's part of a two and he's also playing in mostly in the half spaces rather than sure. the width of the box and Lukaku's confusing like that is that Maybe he wants to be able to arrive in the box to be able to finish off things rather than just being there. Whereas if you're the main striker, as a nine in that system, you need to be in the middle and be able to control the ball. Like yeah. he's a very good player, Lukaku. You should be able... To, there's a ball that came across him from wide and he just stuck his leg out to not control it. I don't understand what he was trying to do. He should be able to control a simple ball across the box. Yeah. But the less involved he is with the game, to, to me, it looks like the <laughs> worse his touch gets. Again, he's a top... European player mm. the got, it, it, I think if he was involved more in the in the play he'd be able to do things and would trust his touch more to be able to hit the ball down mm-hmm. and there's a classic thing that people have said about him in the past is that his first like the first touch bounces off his foot an awful lot that only seems to happen when he's not involved in play an awful lot but in a team like Chelsea who have all the ball and he's then separated from the team trying to create space for other people I think that's where that happens I don't know there's a lot of it's stuff also, I mean work.
1: it's I don't know we, we can move on from him but I mean I, I, having watched him I think the Thing he does consistently best is running behind run onto the ball rather than receiving the ball I think oh, he's really a quick skill.
2: he's super um, fast
1: yeah anyway we'll see what happens with him over the summer whether he uh, whether he stays at Chelsea or, or moves on I think that's going to be an interesting story
3: do you, do, you, do you think if he had a different shaped body he would be viewed differently it seems one of the instances JJ, JJ mentioned Michael Owen there and I agree like I I see some of the kind of the predatory, predatory instincts in Lukaku's game and the subtleties and the craft and his finishing and actually some of his creative play I know in the beginning of his career wasn't great but it really improved and developed if you give him a slightly different body you don't sort of tempt people with that perception of a target man because he's not a target man he is a, a really really skilled finisher and yet because he's physically so impressive i think that becomes a distraction from all his technical abilities whereas if you were to to of do, i don't know to to make him kind of uh if you if looked like samuel eto for instance you'd think oh just goal scorer you know just craft and, and
1: guile well I, I also think it's fair to say that people will misunderstand regularly what like physicality in forwards actually means and what its application is like a target man sure like if we're talking about an an aerial player where the ball is lobbed up to someone and they're able to Reach it ahead of defenders and knock it, knock it onto the path for a coming player. I can understand why height is important, but in terms of what Lukaku does best, running past players, running off the shoulder, he uses his physicality to push defenders out of the way. But a technical player can do that with speed and guile. He's able to hold the ball up well because of it, because of his strength, or because he's technically proficient. But also, a, a smaller, more technical player can do that with technique and guile. Like I think all of the things that he does. Are exactly the same as like what Aguero would do, for example. Like the, the, he, he, it's because he's a little bit taller. People think, well, he must be good in the air, right? Like that's yeah. the only distinction. He's
2: also not very aggressive with his. Like he's a big lad, but he doesn't u- really use that aggressively. I think similar to almost the like Erling Holland. Um, going to City, big guy, total machine when he plays, when he gets running, like he's suited playing at Dortmund when he can get in behind, Mm -hmm. but like Lukaku, other clubs like Inter Milan. But I don't think Holland is particularly aggressive either. So he doesn't attack headers in the box, really. Mm. It's one of the things I remember about him. I don't think, I can't remember really seeing Lukaku attack headers, things like that. He attacks the ball. (laughs) He attacks
1: the ball. I mean, like when he he shoots, even with, you know, even, even with his left, right, Uh, those odd angles like he can get power behind the ball how often you actually seen him finish with power because obviously like you have that kind
3: of prejudice which labels black center forwards particularly as being pace and power and that's it and there's no you know all that stuff that goes on I can't remember many Romelu Lukaku finishes which are actually just foot through the ball, try
1: and break the net. I can remember a lot of like just past the post shots where he does that.
3: Well, past the post, but there's like this sort of, he's a good finisher on the side foot. He is a good header of the ball. There's a subtlety to his finishing, whereas he's often portrayed as this kind of blunt object which is just going to batter you. That's just not who he is at all. Like that's never been the way he played, whether it was a West Brom or Everton or, you know, the first brief sort of moments at Chelsea or Man United, Inter Milan. One other thing about Inter Milan, Lukaku, that thing Except, with his touch, I feel uh, like on the screen there yeah. of all the
1: players, all his contemporaries, is as I'm just going to talk over you, Seb, because you've frozen there, but um, I was very interested in what you were saying. I'm glad that the computer screen froze. No, not really. Uh, but we do need to move on because we've spent, I don't know, a really, really long time just talking about that. A uh, quick talk about uh, Liverpool still have the opportunity to do a, a quadruple... I mean, they've won the League Cup already. They've now won the FA Cup. It's quite difficult to see them winning the Premier League, but they could win the Champions League, JJ.
2: I think they probably will. Yeah. Although... A treble,
1: a cup treble.
2: In this FA Cup final, I think Van Dijk went off with a little bit of an injury. Salah maybe went off with a bit oh, of an injury. Did they really? Mm, Fabinho might not be fit in time. Very important players. Oh, dear. Yes.
1: Yes. Okay, fine. Well, uh, you know, I guess that's partly what happens when we get to extra time at the end of the season. Fine. Uh, congratulations to Liverpool on winning the FA Cup. Uh, we'll be back after the short break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com
2: slash credit card.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
1: The break is over. Um, not in the plan, as far as I can see, but West Ham and Man City, Drew, did either of you catch that game?
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, both of you did. It was good. And yet it's not in the plan. It's very interesting, isn't it?
2: Well, Seb did that this morning.
1: Very interesting, Seb.
2: let throw Seb under the bus Come there. on,
1: Seb. Tell us about the game. Because they, d- I mean, even though it seems like a fumble... It's not really, is it? Not really. Um,
3: obviously, we were talking on WhatsApp about this, Joe, and, and Man City have such a favourable goal difference that doesn't really matter. Um, the pressure isn't such that it, it might have been. Um, they kind of built
1: that goal difference up, by the way, over the last month, didn't they, by beating everyone 6-0? <laughs> they have been relentless over the last couple of months,
3: over the last month particularly. Um, two things I take away from this game. Uh, how good a finisher is Jared Bowen on form? Um, the two goals he took... I had a couple of people say that uh, oh you know he's sort of very very instinctive in that area now if he is then i've missed it because i don't i don't have that kind of trust you know when some players run through on goal you have that instinct which is either goal not goal straight at the goalkeeper straight over the top straight and stand that kind of stuff but two really really nice finishes uh, the second thing is that's as good a penalty save from Lucas fabianski as i've seen in a really really long time it's a really good save and actually one final thing well done to west ham for the way they handled the mark noble thing I don't think there's quite enough of, of that in the game. And everything I saw associated with it was very touching and very affecting and a guy that's given his, his career to one club. And was, if you can still find it, there's a, a video of him coming out at the end of the game with what I imagine are his children to kind of take the applause of
1: the crowd. And you are looking at me strangely. I was just thinking I, they probably were, unless they were just like random kids. Well, they might have been nieces and nephews. Oh, okay. Other oh, family
3: yeah. members other sure, family yeah. members and it was very nice and it was very well done and and some of that stuff gets lost under the mountain of kind of what if you won snark or how many england caps have you got and yeah mark noble's not england career is at another topic but doesn't diminish from the things that he's given to west ham i don't think
1: no it absolutely doesn't well done for a long and successful career of mark noble can i also say though i can imagine him becoming like the assistant manager of scott parker you know could you see it the two of them together
2: it wouldn't be Scott Parker. He would go with. Um, He'd be another Kevin. Nolan someone who needs at the West Ham. Uh, he'll, he'll end up being the assistant to someone who's more f- like. Um, you think of them as being more forward-thinking and and oh, brand new, and he right. brings the uh, the real world, you know he understands the players. Like he knows Klopp how to talk to them. Next year, like, not that, but no. something. Local. David Moyes. Mm, no, he's too already. He, he could converse with people who are of. It was just a joke. You know, there's supposed to be someone though just he, liked
1: the idea of. I always, I always sort of thought of those two players as similar sorts of players. So I thought,
2: if, like, Gianfranco Zola went back to West Ham, right. that's when Mark Noble would go in as right. assistant. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Or, uh, yeah. uh, who's another player that might do it? Well,
1: yeah. I saw, um, uh, Declan Rice tweeting about what trans- transpired to be Mark Noble in the end, but he. Just called him Mr. West Ham at the beginning. And when I read his tweet, I thought, this is like a really weird, like, I'm leaving the club tweet or something. Thanks, Mr. West Ham, for all the good times we've shared together. I thought, Mr. West, are you leaving? Oh, Mr. West Ham. Anyway, there we go. Uh, But that's all fine and dandy. Man City will probably still win the, the Premier League.
2: Uh, it's tight though plays Aston Villa is as their last game Yeah So although Steven Gerrard Is employed by Aston Villa I mean I think everyone knows He basically <laughs> Works for Liverpool Right That's basically what he does Right I so, mean not technically but I yeah. mean not technically I mean or literally he What is, do you
1: mean in any, How does he do that in any way Because he
2: is Liverpool He loves Liverpool Right That's the thing
1: But he works for them now well, what no. are you suggesting? Like as a sort of spy, or <laughs> Do
2: you know? I mean, you <laughs> he's know, he's
1: out there to sabotage Villa so that he, can he will be win so desperate
2: Liverpool. to beat Man City just to try right. and give Liverpool That's a chance to saying. win. Yes. Oh, okay. So you're that, saying he
1: supports Liverpool? I'm sure he than is. He basically works for them. <laughs>
2: Yeah, because, you know, but what I to mean he's
1: gonna, I put, you know, do Tesco so much research. Time. I basically work at Tesco.
2: <laughs> he will do so much research for this Aston Villa uh, Man City game to try and give Liverpool, I bet mm. that's what you'd be doing. he scouring every, every weakness he, he can find. He is the
1: manager of Aston Villa and he will be playing Man City. So yeah. I, my prediction is that Man City will win the game. But I could be wrong. And I know you love the stories. The he'll get them stories.
2: fired up. They'll be, they'll
1: be, will uh, be getting to them all week. Fine, fine. Let's take a sojourn now to the Bundesliga, Seb, where things really have happened. Things really, really did happen. So on
3: Saturday, Stuttgart saved themselves from the relegation playoff with a ninety-first minute goal. It's great fun. Um, yeah, it really That's was nice. That, who, who was the scorer of the goal? Endo scored. So it was, it was from a corner where goalkeeper was up. Everyone in the box to endo their fears he of did relegation. That their right? fears. Well, not quite, because they needed Borussia Dortmund to beat Um and but uh, Dortmund were holding on at the time, and uh, the game Stuttgart finished a little bit before. Um, so they had that kind of little moment on the pitch where all the players are waiting and the crowd is, is trying to listen to radios and phone
1: people and stuff,
3: and there's no 4G.
1: I always remember Phil Jones just, like, looking around yeah. wildly on, on, on Old Trafford when they're waiting for the for the Aguero moment. And I keep I always think when I see that, what's he looking yeah. for? <laughs> it's not happening here, you
3: know? Just looking away, uh, you know, anyway. Anyway, waiting. so Stuttgart survive, and if you can find any of the pictures of the celebration afterwards, you had there, the sort of the classic fans on the top of the net and the mascot the the Stuttgart mascot is this kind of dinosaur type thing right in there as well celebrating in his little suit probably sweating terribly and that was great Uh, on Sunday it was the final day of the Zweite Bundesliga and we knew Schalke were up
1: that's the Bundesliga too it is indeed
3: it is indeed we knew Mm. Schalke were up uh, but they confirmed themselves as champions second automatic playoff spot went to Bremen. And the only remaining issue was um, who was going to get the uh, spot to face Hertha Berlin in the promotion relegation playoff. And um, despite going goal down, Hamburg came back to win 3-2 to beat Hansa Rostock and edge out Darmstadt on goal difference. Really tough. Darmstadt have had a really great season. They, they're kind of, um, they're one of the unfancy teams. They were sort of, I suppose, uh, probably this season's Holstein Kiel they came ever so close and it was very very unlucky and Hartzfell have many more resources than they do but so that's going to be um, that's going to be a massive game so Hamburg against Hertha Berlin so
1: so Hamburg are in the promotion relegation and
3: you live in the city I shall do and everyone's very very excited will
1: you be attending the game
3: Uh, efforting efforting don't know yet Um, you'll be efforting to attend the game game. yes I'm going to
1: well I hope you do if you do will you take a picture of yourself I will uh, probably take more than one but yeah I shall take some pictures
3: Fine. I shall create evidence of me having been there, yes.
1: Okay. By the way, I don't know if listeners are interested in the private life of Seb Staffer Blore, but he does have a TikTok account where he posts videos of his cats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's quite nice to see them. What's your TikTok name? I don't know. I've
3: actually, I've, I've deleted it from my phone. I don't really like TikTok. No. Yeah, I, don't, I don't like it.
1: Oh. And also, like, okay. I, well, the, the videos of your cats are still there. Yeah. They, so, they can yeah. they can stay there. That's Okay. Fun for all. Well done, the Bundesliga and the Schweizer Bundesliga. Mm. That's exciting. Mm. We'll hear more from Seb about the plight, the plight, the challenge, the excitement of Hamburg. Plight is right uh, I as reckon the days go on. Would, would probably be. plight, but who could yeah. say? Yeah. Okay. Fine. Uh, Tottenham one 0 Burnley. I'll probably stay with you, Seb, for this as a as a as a, as a Toto yourself. Um, that's what that they is, call them. That isn't is, it? Yeah. Uh, that's the collective. Norm. Little troubling. Little troubling for Burnley. The relegation battle, of course. It's quite confusing.
3: Yeah, well, it became more so because Leeds snatched a point later in the day. So Leeds got a a late equaliser against Brighton. An extremely necessary uh, Extremely necessary equaliser, yes, indeed. Burnley played pretty well. There's a little bit of sourness about the penalty and I get it, but it's the rule and it's annoying and frustrating, but unless you change the rule, you can't defend like this in your box and get hit on the arm and expect not to give away a penalty, it's... It's penalty
1: okay great great hold on unless it's just just a uh, podcasting 101 there great stuff a game no one will have seen the game step so describe the incident and also when you pulled your arm out like that half the people can't see <laughs> i can't see you but the game was very 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 much on television I know, but no one watched that one come on did you watch that one jj
2: okay. um i did because i'm so oh. committed to providing an excellent podcast for our craig viewers. did you watch it
1: no, Craig says he didn't watch it, and Craig is but, the audience. But Craig hates well, football. yeah, but that's. Uh, but can yeah, you? I, I basically what I'm saying is I'm upset because I, I feel excluded from the conversation. I don't understand what okay, happened. Okay, Will you fine. tell me what it was and why you put your arm out in that aggressive way? Right. Well, it
3: wasn't aggressive. It was it was more performative than aggressive. But okay. Um, so very late in the first half, uh, uh, nil nil. Davinson Sanchez has a little bit of a hack at goal from a uh, from Ooh. a corner, and. There. Ashley Barnes, who's defending uh, he's defending He was defending. He was defending in close proximity. Uh, tries to close him down, but uh, with this sort of body motion, has one of his arms out. The ball, um, the ball hacks off. So he uh, he, he 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 stands like the Angel of the North. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? A little bit. Yeah. But if if the Angel of the North only had
1: one arm, oh okay, out. the other one sure. wasn't. It was just this arm. Yeah. Sanchez he's makes a little. Bit of a uh, loose contact. What angle would you say his arm was at for listeners? Just, I would say it was probably just above ninety (laughs) degrees. Just above, just above. And
3: and you're starting
1: ninety from the waist, not the side of the head. No, 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 no. I'm starting ninety.
3: I'm starting ninety from the floor. So ninety degrees and a little bit more. And so you're sort of yeah, okay, yeah. Anyway, ball hits him on the hand. Penalty goal. Hurricane. Sour grapes. Conspiracy. The game is unfair, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But also Nick Pope played very, very well. So that was an an
1: interesting little bit that I was going to put on the the podcast, which I don't think we're going to get to. Let me just tell you about the relegation battle happening at the bottom. This was very exciting. Three teams, of course, down there. Burnley with a game in hand on uh, Leeds, it should be said. Two games to play for Burnley. Currently, as we speak, they're on 34 points. Leeds, one game more played than Burnley. 35 points. Mm, yes. And Everton, of course, uh, also a game in hand on Leeds, 36 points. Hard to know, really, if, if Everton have sort of... Uh, I mean, they're not completely safe, are they? But you would assume that they probably are OK? I mean, who have Burnley got left to play? Let's have a look at the fixtures. This is exciting, isn't it? OK, so they play Aston Villa in three days' time, away from home, and then they're at home to Newcastle. Everton's two remaining fixtures of the season are at uh, home to Crystal Palace in three days' time and are also uh, away to Arsenal. So that is quite a bit of a toughie with Arsenal still chasing top four potentially come the end of the season. Leeds' final game away to Brentford, who had a nice game over the weekend also. So it's too too close to call, isn't
2: it, JJ? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. We can talk about Brentford-Everton if you want. Do you want to do that? Yeah. Let me just see if that's next. Oh, it is next. It is next.
1: Everton 2 uh, three Brentford two red cards in this game and uh, Seb's note here I believe it's Seb's note a thousand percent a red card I don't know which one he's referring to oh Jared
2: Branthwaite. oh
1: what, what was it well, I haven't seen the highlights why?
2: I don't know if it's a thousand percent for context what, what this is Everton are attacking at what the angle end is your arm
1: at though just to help understand it's 270 degrees yeah fine
2: uh, spinning, mm-hmm. rotating. Yeah. So it's about one thousand and eighty degrees. Sure. Yeah. Ten and it's just spinning, just non stop. Twirling, like a twirling yeah. evermore. Mm-hmm. Everton are attacking, the ball, the ball is put into the box. Christopher Eyer is trying to take off Retarlison's shirt by pulling it a lot. Yeah. But not an I don't even know if it's a penalty. I don't I can see why it's not, right? Everton are annoyed, they think we should have a penalty for this bit here. But the ball then bounces through, it gets hoofed. Uh, well over the back of the Everton back line, a striker comes through, I can't remember, name has forgotten, I've Tony out there we go, and Tony's running through, and Branthwaite is chasing, comes across, in you know that thing where they're just both chasing the same ball, and they're really mm. close together, can't quite mm-hmm. right get out of his way, and yeah. then the legs tangle, and he goes down. Right. So, Sounds like a thousand percent. Yeah, it's, I mean, the thing is, he's not meant to take him down. <laughs> so no. I, I know that's a that's a foul because I'd be really annoyed if it was me running through and goal, but he's taking me out. But he didn't mean that. It's just legs have been caught the and intention you take not it. really required. Though is I it? know it's I can see exactly. So what's what, I guess your point
1: is that when you say when someone says a thousand percent, you feel that if it's over a hundred percent, it needs a little intention.
2: Um. Yeah, I think if he'd come and chopped him, like you know that there's a tackle that Thiago did in the FA Cup final where he launched with two feet into like a a proper like. Power lunge. Sure. Just about got a ball, landed over the top of it. If that had been another player, he'd probably been in a lot of trouble. But because mm. Tiago's just not like that, sure. you know, you, you can sort of go, well, he was just doing a thing to be. Right. He's just been Thiago. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, this guy gets sent off okay. uh, for that. And that kind of ruined Everton's entire game. So down to 10 men, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was, what was the second? It was a straight red, wasn't it? It's the Rondon one where he goes in. Oh, yeah.
3: For, for like the Luke Ayling tackle that happened during the Leeds Arsenal he'd, game a couple of weeks ago we just, he'd only been on for four minutes is that right if that, was angry. If that he just launches himself both feet off the ground and it's a, he, he knows he knows kind of mid-air that what is happening is about to lead to him getting sent off I don't think it was malicious I think it was born from just ultra enthusiasm but it was misplaced because he's now done for the rest of the season
2: so, probably frustration as well you
3: know if um yeah. if Everton needs something at Arsenal okay. um, and they're playing Crystal Palace then they won't
1: have a, uh, a second forward to back up an unfit Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Fine, Christian Eriksen. Seb,
2: these are my stats.
1: Oh, Christian Eriksen, JJ.
2: Yes. So since he's rejoined football, yes, and the world, I suppose, basically, yes. he joined Brentford and played his first game. I think it's twenty sixth of February. So I went and looked through Opta data uh-huh. to see if he's been good since then, according to data, because we can see with the eyes that he's been quite useful.
1: We can see that with the eyes. Yeah. What does the data tell
2: us? Well, it tells us that he has created. 15 chances from set plays since he's been coming back. So he's played, I think it's 10 games he's played. Is that good? Uh, yes. It sounds good. Only James Ward-Prowse has created more since that same time period, okay. since February 26, 16. Right. James also Ward-Prowse
1: who was nominated for player of the year. Yeah.
2: I mean, he, has been, he is very good, James okay. Ward-Prowse. Yeah. Then also, Christian Eriksen has played the most passes into the box in total. Well, of Ward- anyone. Of anyone in the league since he's come back so the most passes at into Brentford. the box that could be crosses yeah at Brentford as a midfielder there playing a slightly deeper role maybe he has before ward is second to put it stylistically where they are that includes set plays that makes a lot of sense because that will include crosses into the box that's going to make sense but what I really liked was this stat only one player has played more passes into the final third than Ericsson's 125 so playing passes into the final third could be from anywhere on the pitch James Ward-Prowse? no he played in this game in the Everton game so, one player in the league has made more passes into the final third, a lot more passes. Ericsson's made 125. This guy's made 165. Uh, you'll never guess it, I'll just tell you who it is. It's yeah. quite funny. No, it's Jordan Pickford. <laughs> uh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. That is an indication of tactical yeah. choice from old Frankie Boy, really at Everton. Is. Pickford's just hoofing it, like launching the thing. Yeah. And the ball's getting, I guess it has to be a completed pass. So then that means that Calvert-Lewin or someone up front, Charleston's taking that ball down. Yeah. Okay. Useful asset to have. Useful asset to have. But Christian Eriksen, yes. Well done to you. He's playing very well.
1: Well, that's nice. There's been lots of rumours about him potentially moving to a different club. Yes. Uh, so I'll be curious to see again what happens with him in the summer. And of course, if those of you listening to the podcast are wondering what will be happening with the EFO podcast over the summer, uh, nothing. We'll just carry on and uh, we'll work out what it is that we talk about as and when we get there. But sensible transfers will be returning with a few delicate little sparkles here and there. Uh, so uh, look out for that. We'll cover that in audio form as well as video. And uh, we'll cover all of the uh, interesting things. Basically, uh, you know, imagine you're uh, all the good stuff's a piece of toast, but it's dry. And you need to spread that peanut butter. You spread it all the way across the toast. And that's Tifo. Probably spread a little thin. Anyway, the Serie A,
0: we need another break. Let's have a break.
1: Ah, yes, Serie A is going down to the final day. Very exciting. I watched some of the, or most of the uh, AC Milan uh, Atalanta game yesterday, which was uh, nice. Rafael uh, Leao with another lovely goal. And also Teo Hernandez with a, a, what do they call it? A slaloming run. He picked the ball up in his own half and get this scored a goal after running the whole way across the pitch. It was very nice, and uh, I enjoyed to watch it. At that point, Inter were going to play their game just after this one. But at that point, before Inter played, AC Milan had opened a five-point gap, which is quite frightening when there's only one game left to go in the league. Inter, of course, did beat Cagliari. Uh, it's 1-3 there, and there's two points in it for the final weekend of the season. It's very exciting. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you that Inter play Sampdoria next weekend and Milan's final game is against well, they're away at Sassuolo, which is actually quite a difficult, difficult opposition to play. Milan definitely had the harder of the two final fixtures, but 2-0 away at Atalanta. It's going to be exciting. I don't know how long it's been, Seb, since Milan have won the Serie A, but it's been a long time. They also don't have, like, the best squad in the league, but maybe they have the best team. I think they won the Serie A last in 2009 or
3: 2010, something like that. Hey, Joe, you know what else is really interesting about Serie A? Salernitana. So um, because Inter Milan beat Cagliari... San Antonio are set to perform one of the greatest escapes from from relegation. A couple of months ago they were rock bottom and they've been on a ridiculous run and um, I think heading into the final day they're two points clear of Cagliari so I don't know what their goal difference looks like but they are very very nearly there. So that'd be cool. Would,
1: would you just would that be like comparable to Norwich escaping?
3: I would say it's comparable to Norwich escaping from the situation they were in this season. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the size of clubs. I don't know enough about Salernitana.
1: Oh no, I just mean the situation in terms of the the gap between them and the rest of the league. I
3: think most people have written them off. Wow. Yeah, um, but it's been amazing, and they knocked off some really really good teams Very on exciting. the way. Very um, exciting, and they've got Frank Rebri in there, who's must be about fifty five by now. <laughs> but it's really interesting. It's a great story.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, well, Napoli and Juventus uh, will be finishing in, in, in third and fourth uh, positions as well. Lazio and uh, Roma just missing out. Roma, of course, interesting story because uh, Mourinho's first season in charge and maybe we will uh, grab uh, Monsieur Horncastle and discuss that with him at some point over, over the summer because I'm curious to hear what's happened there. Tammy Abraham having a fantastic season as well, but we'll cover all of these things as and when the future dictates. I think that's basically the end of the, the podcast for today, unless anyone else has anything they'd like to mention.
2: Andy Constein has played his last game for Aberdeen. Right. Beloved by the club. a One club man doesn't want to leave, but there were some things that went on. There's some sort of controversy around his leaving. Didn't want to leave. Won't go into all the details, because unless you're really wrapped up in it, it's not right. Huge, interesting to everyone else. But um, it's a, sh- a shame that he has had to leave the club when he doesn't want to. But I believe there are many details behind the scenes. I'm not sure what's on or off record. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about it Can on I a podcast. Can I say
1: it's a shame because he's been a, a constant a joy to watch. Yes.
2: But yeah, love you, Andy be... Constein. Yes.
1: Fine. Fine.
2: That's all I have for you.
1: Well, before we go, I told you I was on holiday. And I uh, just figured I'd um, just let you know about the things I watched when I was on holiday. Yeah. Would you both like to know about that? Yeah. Yeah. Jackass. <laughs> That's good, though. <laughs> the movie or just the, the TV show? Jackass 3.5. <clears throat> um, Hercules 2014. That had Ian McShane in it. With the Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Is that
2: Hercules if he was in the year 2014 or you see in the year it came out? It's the, the year the film came out, although that would
1: be a good idea if, to pitch to a Hollywood studio. Hercules now, not now, but just in 2014. What would it be,
2: Hercules now? What was the original, what was the Well, I guess what
1: you would, I mean, I suppose the story of Hercules, you know, uh, uh, part man, part god, mm. demigod, as they would call him, overcoming various uh, mythical beasts and objects on his path to greatness. I suppose the modern Hercules would be how it would have to like take down the global financial institutions, <laughs> and then like take out ISIS or something. You know, that's what he would do. He wouldn't
2: call him Hercules, but then it would be Hercules. Yeah.
1: This is—I uh, wrote this down because this is one of my favorite ending lines to any film. And Ian McShane says it, so you know it's going to be good. Ian McShane says, "You don't need to be a demigod to be a hero. You just need to believe you're a hero." Which is like one of the most mental things I've ever. <laughs> and uh, also, oh, weird about she's all that. We're wrapping up. She's all that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I hadn't seen it for twenty years or something, right? Did it? So I, I, I didn't realize until I rewatched it now that the, the song they play at at prom when everyone does a big dance is a Fat Boy Slim song. <laughs> I had no idea that Fat Boy Slim had sort of, you know progressed to featuring in major major American uh, uh, you know teen films for it. anyway there we go also watch The Iron Lady um, with Old Street doing Thatcher Street's great
2: that would be good if it was the 2014 bit, update you know. version where she is an Iron Lady sure she comes back as yeah. like robo Thatcher
1: yeah uh, one genuine recommendation though? smashes the place up uh, Outer Range I enjoyed Outer Range available on uh, Amazon Prime Josh Brolin as a kind of sexy uh, sci-fi cowboy, what else could you possibly want?
2: <laughs> and it's if you like accuracy. sexy sci-fi space
1: cowboys, you should visit The Athletic. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Well, that's the end of uh, Joe's holiday uh, uh, screen recommendations. Um, JJ Bull the Bullard, thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you. You look forward to the rest of your meetings today with the computer.
1: Yes, thank yeah. you. And uh, <laughs> Ah, Serb Stafford-Bloor. Danke schön and auf Wiedersehen, dear boy. Vielen Dank, Herr Dabei. That's right. Keep those gates good. Uh, we'll be back next week with more of the same. Thank you to producer Craig and to whoever has edited the audio today. Much appreciated. Take care. Bye.